Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of unity as we make our journey through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're concluding chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let's dig in. One of the things that we realize whenever we come now here to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, is that Paul has been giving us a lot of practical advice on how we can best live a life of full devotion to God and to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it is difficult to know. There are lots of competing voices out there. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What do I need to change? What doesn't need to change? What does God care about? What does God not care about? And depending on what TV preacher you listen to, depending on what book you read, depending on what Facebook post you pay attention to, different influencers can give you different answers. Well, Paul is giving us some concrete answers. And right here in the end of chapter four, verses 31 and 32, Paul is going to give us some very clear direction. So let's hop in. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So Paul has kind of distilled some of the ideas that he's been talking about up until this point. And then in the next verse, which we'll get to in just a moment, Paul's going to offer the antithesis of these ideas. He's going to offer the opposite. So here in verse 31, we have one perspective. And then in verse 32, we have the opposite perspective. Here, we obviously have the cautionary tale the negative example. Now, Paul gives essentially a list of five things, and depending on the version that you're reading from, they're going to frame those things differently. But in mine, the New Living Translation, the five are bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Paul says, get rid of those things, or essentially in the Greek, he lists those things, and then it says, get rid of all of that. Now, in the Greek, what Paul says here is, he frames it grammatically in what's called a third person passive imperative, which is super big. In fact, maybe I should have put that on the screen. Third person passive imperative. First of all, imperative means it's a command. So Paul isn't just suggesting it. Paul's actually telling us to do it. So it's imperative that we get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. But it also is third person imperative, which Paul is saying, um, you need to do this. And the passive part is the fascinating part to me because Paul is clearly saying that you need to actively do this. It's not just something that God does for you, which sometimes in the passive voice is, is what's being said is you don't do it. God does it. But Paul is obviously as an imperative, he's telling you to do it. So it's fascinating that he uses passive here. And, and I wondered about that. And I thought about it. And here's, here's what I think. What I think is that Paul is essentially saying, yes, you have to get rid of these things. But sometimes the best way of getting rid of these things is 
is getting out of the way and letting God do his work within you. And so I think oftentimes as I reflect on this, what happens is, is we get to the point of bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander in our lives because we have gotten in the way of God's work within us. If we don't get in the way of God's work within us, the spirit is going to do his work and bring out the fruit of the spirit. But sometimes we can allow ourselves to get in the way of God's work. And so I think that's what Paul is essentially saying here is if these things are inside of you, you've got to get rid of them. And part of getting rid of them is making sure to pull yourself out of the way. Now, he lists five things here, which you will see lists of five oftentimes in ancient texts that lists virtues and lists of fives, oftentimes in ancient texts that list vices. And so Paul here essentially has a list of five vices and it's bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words or shouting, something that's verbalized and then slander. Now, what I thought was interesting as I looked over this list is that there seems to be a progression in these things. Bitterness becomes rage, becomes anger, becomes harsh words, and becomes slander. I see something of a continuum. Now, I don't know whether or not Paul intended that transparently, but I see that here. And I think that this is perhaps a gut check for us to see where are we on this continuum? Maybe there's a person or a problem or an issue that you're dealing with that has been growing. And maybe it began as just a, a bitterness, a frustration within, and then it turned to this rage inside of you that began to work its way out in anger and then was directed verbally at the person through harsh words. And then if that doesn't change things, it's not directed at the person anymore. It's directed at other people about the person, which becomes slander. And Paul says all of that essentially can be evil behavior. Maybe, though, sometimes it's not one particular issue or topic or person. I know some people that this is just this is how they roll. This is the way they live life. They live life in a place of bitterness. Everything is something to be bitter about. And eventually that turns into rage and they become people of rage and then anger and then harsh words. Everything they say to everybody is is harsh and, and shouted and, and direct and they become people who it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. They're always talking about somebody else behind their back about something that they didn't like. Paul says, for a follower of Jesus Christ in particular, these things are super problematic. They create disunity among each other, among the body of Christ, the community of faith, and eventually with God as well. And that's a problem. So Paul is now going to give us the antidote, the opposite of that. In verse 32, he says, instead. So you see that, you know, kind of conjunction there that's in the middle to say now 180 degrees opposite. This is, this is the alternative. This is the instead. And he lists three things here. 
I'm glad it's not a list of five. Three are easier than five. Be kind to each other. How far could kindness go in this world and in making this world a better place and a more Christ-like place? So, so be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. Be a person of a soft heart rather than a hard heart. Lots of examples and verses in the Bible of hard-heartedness. Pharaoh, even the disciples were said to be hard-hearted. It's a no-go with God. And then third, forgiving one another. So kindness, being kind to each other, tender-hearted, a soft heart, and then third, forgiving one another. Fascinatingly, the kindness part, the word that God uses for kindness here, I mean, the word that Paul uses for kindness here is a word that is most often used in the Bible for God's kindness. And so it can be tough in all of these things, kindness especially, in order to understand what that means. And I think that what it means is what we see in God when it comes to kindness and who is the best example of God that we have. Well, it's not me. I wish it were me, but it's Jesus. Jesus is the best example of God that we have. And so if we want to understand what God's kindness looks like, the best thing that we can do is become very familiar with the Jesus of the Gospels. A man who was unreasonably and unseasonably kind in comparison to the world. So be kind to each other or treat other people as Jesus treated others. Love your neighbor. Be tenderhearted. Be, be soft-hearted. Sometimes that's going to mean absorbing things rather than lashing out and retaliation. And forgive one another. Sometimes you're going to have to let things go. Sometimes when, when wrongs have been done and no forgiveness has been sought, you're still going to have to forgive. Not because you're saying that what was done to you is okay, but you've got to forgive because if not, lack of forgiveness eats you alive. How do we do that? Well, I think Paul hits the nail on the head here at the close of verse 32 when he says, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, the only way we can do that is through holding on with a death grip to the life that is available to us through Jesus Christ. The only way we are able to be truly kind and tenderhearted and forgiving of others is recognizing and modeling the kind of forgiveness that God has made available to us through Jesus Christ. And so, in short, if we are people who are filled with bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and then slander. And I see those things a lot in the church, sadly, even in church leadership in some places, horrifically. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. The only way to really avoid being people who are marked by those five vices is to understand what it means to have been given by to have been forgiven by Jesus Christ thanks to the power of God and the love of God and in so doing we are able to become people who reflect God's kindness 
become people who are tenderhearted and who are able to forgive as we have been forgiven. In short, Paul says here in this text, my hope and prayer for you is that you would be a person of goodwill, not ill will. And may that be truthful of all people who call themselves Christian or a follower of the way of Jesus Christ. And I might even say, because I think Paul would say here that it is imperative. There is no other way. We are either not on the way of Jesus or we are people who are people of goodwill to all people in all ways. We are people of goodwill, not ill will. This Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ's Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.